Well, this morning, um, I'm speaking on the door of opportunity. The door of opportunity. And uh, I want to read 1 Corinthians chapter 16, uh, beginning at verse 5. And Paul is writing to the, the church at Corinth, but he's writing from Ephesus. All right? All right. So, and he's telling the people at Corinth, verse 5, I plan to visit you after passing through the northern Greece. I, want to be, I won't be staying long there, but maybe I can stay a while with you, maybe even spend the winter. Then you could give me a good send-off wherever I am headed next. I don't want to just drop by in between other primary destinations. I want a good, long, leisurely visit. If the master agrees, we'll have it. For the present, I'm staying right here in Ephesus. A huge door of opportunity for good work has opened up here. And there is also mushrooming opposition. <laughs> All right, so he says that there is a opportunity for good work has the door of opportunity. A huge door of opportunity has opened up to me. Now, do you ever think of the different kinds of doors and signs for doors? There's a sign that says enter here. <laughs> How about not an exit? How about uh, an alarm will sound if you open this door? How about push? <laughs> you ever see somebody pulling on the push door? Do you ever notice that pulling on a push door, they have the wrong handle? Because a push door is just supposed to be flat, and if you have a handle on it, we think we have to pull. You know, So we're pulling on a door and it says push. It's like, well, get rid of the handle and I'll do what's supposed to do. Yeah, it's not my fault. How about a revolving door? Elf. The movie Elf. He's spinning around a revolving door. How about a glass door? A metal door? A framed window door? How about a fire exit? Door, but, you know, huge door of opportunity. Well, is that a double door? <laughs> is it a sliding door? Is it an automatic door, like at the Bilo? <laughs> why, you know, radar goes off, you walk in, things like that. I know I've told you this, but it's, it still rings in my mind. This lady, when they first started having those uh, radar, radar, radar things coming out and you walk into it, somehow it didn't open and she's at the door yelling at the box, open up! <laughs> so it's like somebody's up there pushing a button to let her in, you know. So anyhow, how about a kick-down door? A garage door? An automatic lift door? You know, I, I was told uh, Terry this morning that uh, for years, I, I always liked that Sears commercial that says, give the gift that you can open all, all year long. It was a garage door opener. <laughs> Always wanted one of those. So the door of opportunity, what is it? What does a door of opportunity look like? And in this case, it's a huge door of opportunity. A huge door of opportunity. It would appear that a huge door of opportunity could not be missed. How about a camouflage door? You see, um, I, David Michael wanted one of those leaf suits, the camouflage suits, and 
He, he got home Friday night at midnight. Saturday morning, he shot a deer. He went out in his camouflage suit. He says, he didn't even see me coming. <laughs> so he got a deer first thing Saturday morning. He wanted to go try out his, his leaf suit. Well, for a wide door uh, for effective work has opened to me, and there are many adversaries. That's another translation of that last verse. A huge door, a wide door for effective work has opened for me, and there are many adversaries. So what is an opportunity? So we're talking about a huge door of opportunity is open for us. Now this is talking about Paul, or Paul is talking about himself and what's going on in Ephesus, but in our own lives, what is a door of opportunity? And when the door of opportunity opens, do we go through? Well, we don't know because we don't know if it's an opportunity or not. Hmm. Is this a good thing? Is this a bad thing? He who hesitates is lost. <laughs> you know? Do you kick it down or do you knock? Do you force it open or does it open by itself? Do you have to turn the knob or does somebody else open it for you? Well, you see, all the doors of opportunity come with an understanding of the person who is going to the door. Hmm. See, there's a difference between a door and a wall. <laughs> What's the difference between a door and a wall? There's a handle, right? But there can be a handle on a door, on a wall. Something just fool you, put a handle on the wall, and you're there turning, and why won't this open? Well, anyhow, an opportunity is a set of circumstances. All right, this is the definition. An opportunity is a set of circumstances that make it possible to do something. A set of circumstances that makes it possible to do something. Now, we all have opportunities to do good, to do evil. We have an opportunity, there are temptations of, you know, to lie, to cheat, to steal. Those are opportunities, but there's also an opportunity to do good, to tell the truth, to give. So we have opportunities that lie before us. Do you ever just do something for someone for no reason that you don't even know? Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, it, it, um, at Christmas, uh, we were, uh, I was uh, shopping at um, uh, a jewelry store that had a big sale, so I went in and of course I was, took advantage of the opportunity to buy something on sale. <laughs> But anyhow, they had these stuffed animals, you know. So I'm in there and doing my thing, and the guy says, well, for $25 more, you can have these, and it all goes to a children's fund. Okay, no thank you. <laughs> so I'm ready to go out, and there's this guy there with two young kids. And I said, would you two like a stuffed animal? <laughs> and the boy, of course, well, I'm not sure if I want one. The girl says, yes, I want one. And the, guy says, the boy says, sure, I'll take one brought them up and bought them two stuffed animals. Wasn't that nice of me? <laughs> Not really. But what the idea is that doing something for someone for no reason. Now, I didn't mean to be sarcastic about wasn't that nice, but there are times that we need to do things for people just because it's an impression, it's something, um, you know, evil never has us do, some, do good for people for no reason. Because you don't associate somebody doing something good for you 
Now, of course, we have predators who, you know, give the candy and try to get kids in a, in a car or something. That's wrong. But they're just doing something with no strings attached for no reason, just doing something for someone. That's a door of opportunity. Doing something for ourselves, that's not a bad thing. Doing something for people we love, we have an opportunity to do good. See, the huge door of opportunity is before us. And the challenge is, how do we see the opportunity and what are we looking for? Are we looking for what is going to be given to us or are we looking for how that we can give to others of what we have received? We cannot, going back to the how do you catch monkeys, remember? How do you catch a monkey? You put a preacher in a barrel. <laughs> they cut a hole in a barrel and put bananas in there and they stick their paw in there and they grab hold of the banana and you've got them. Why? Because they don't know enough to let go. And in our lives, we don't know enough to share. <laughs> you know, you ever see little kids? Some little kids. That you couldn't get anything out of them if you tried. Even if, you know, I remember buying french fries for someone and gave them, some, gave them the fries. It was a family. This wasn't a, a random act of kindness. You give french fries to them and you say, oh, thank you. Yeah. And he says, can I have one? No. <laughs> it's like, well, I gave those to you. So they're mine now. Well, sometimes I think that we look at our life. This is mine. And if you want to give into my pot, fine. But don't expect to get anything out of it. And see, the door of opportunity has to be seen as something in which we are entering, but in order to enter, we have to do something. We have to participate in the opportunity. So we find that he says that there is, also, there is a huge door of opportunity to do good, and there is also opposition. Now, if we could just have opportunity with no opposition... That would be good. But you see, where there is opportunity, there is often opposition. Somebody's going to oppose it. Now, because somebody opposes it doesn't mean the opportunity is wrong. Jesus came to save the world, and God himself became man, and the religious people opposed him. Doesn't make sense, does it? Well, opposition is resistance or dissent expressed in actions or arguments, especially in a rival political party. That <laughs> was in the definition. <laughs> a rival political party, adversity, opposition. Oh my gosh, what goes on in our political party system? Not picking either one, they're both opposed to the other, all right? So we find that we, we run into opposition. Opposition is not bad. It's not comfortable. I don't like it. But people always oppose us. And, you know, sometimes we have to have enough sense to understand that because somebody opposes it doesn't mean that it's wrong. Now, people will oppose things for completely different reasons. And, you know, and it's beyond us to figure them out why. Some people just don't want change. Some people don't want you to be the one who gets that that you're going after, the opportunity. So they will sabotage 
every effort in order to keep you from failing. But little do they know that when God is the author of the opportunity, their opposition is only um, strengthens and, and heightens and multiplies the blessing that God is going to bring back into your life. Because had the devil known that Jesus needed to die on the cross, that his blood would be shed for the remission of sin, and that he would rise from the dead. Had the devil known that, he'd have never had Jesus crucified. So we, evil doesn't know everything, and evil wants to destroy because that's just who it is. But God, what is God? He's a good, good father. And we are loved by God. That's who I am. Okay? I am loved by God. I am his child. Okay? Opportunity is God nudging me, giving me uh, blessings and helping me to go forward. Now, there is, there is failure. Now, Failure is often determined as a lack of success, okay? <laughs> a lack of success is failure. But you see, we don't know what failure is, okay? Edison, what, 1,800 times failed at discovering a light bulb. <laughs> but he said, these are just 1,800 ways it doesn't work. I know 1,800 ways, it but he did find it, found out how it works. So failure is also a learning process, but there is a fear of failure, and I'll be quick at these. There's 10 of them. So I found these. In my looking up what failure is, I saw fear of failure, and I clicked on it. The Internet's wonderful, you know? Most of the time. Fear of failure. Ready? Worry about what other people think of you. None of us qualify for any of these, I'm sure. So fear of failure brings about a worry of what other people think of you makes you worry about your own abilities. Fear of failure makes you worry that others will lose interest in you. See, see for a pastor, fear of failure, others will lose interest in you. <laughs> yeah? It's, that, it's uh, that constant thing. It isn't the constant thing, but it's a thing that goes on in your spirit and in your mind. You know, people are going to lose interest in you, David. You're getting too old. I don't feel old, but, you know, <laughs> but uh, it's just one of those things. But that's the fear of failure, and we see the opportunities that God has for us, that the door, the huge door of opportunity God has for us, fears will keep us from going through that. Remember now, God is a good, good Father, and I'm loved by Him. That's who I am. And Jesus loves me, since this I know, <laughs> Bible tells me so. For God so loved the world, He gave. Why did God do all of this? Perfect love displaces, casts out all fear. The love of God in our life displaces, casts out every one of these fears of failure. That's why you cannot see your life through the, through the lens of failure, through the lens of fear. All right? Okay. Fear of failure makes you worry about how smart you are. Fear of failure makes you worry about disappointing people who whose opinions you value. 
fear of failure, you tend to tell people before you even begin that you don't expect to succeed, to lower their expectations. Fear of failure is once you fail at something, you have trouble imagining what you could have done differently to succeed. See, every, every situation, if we learn from it, it's not a failure. You see, failure is quitting. So failure is never final. And who defines what failure is? Jesus did not, Jesus died on the cross. That was a, a failure in the eyes of the Roman Empire and in the eyes of the priests and the, the religious leader of the time. But that death, his death, was not a failure. It was the fulfilling of a plan which brought about the resurrection, which brings about our resurrection. So it wasn't a failure. It was a plan. You see, we don't have enough insight to understand what life is all about. All we're trying to do, we're trying to live the life in the hands of God and in the plan of God to take the things that have happened to us and to deal with them in a healing way because we're going forward. Our future is always in front of us. Fear of failure will cause us, from, will try to prevent us from going through the door of opportunity. Hmm. God is not the author of fear. Perfect love displaces fear. Love gives us the security to take our next step. Okay. Um, <laughs> fear of failure is that you get last-minute headaches, stomach aches, or other physical symptoms that prevent you from completing your preparation. We don't like to prepare, you know. Getting uh, fear of failure often gets um, distracted by, um, is that a motor running out there? Distracted. <laughs> see how we get, <laughs> see we get distracted. Anybody get distracted? <laughs> you ever get distracted by tasks that prevent you from completing the preparation? You see, preparing, you know, preparing, we have to, we have to prepare. If you don't prepare, the lack of preparation is preparing to fail. That's what somebody said, Zig Ziglar or some other guy. Then number 10, fear of failure is to tend to procrastinate. When you run out of time to complete your preparation adequately. So you see, there are a lot of things that cause us that are symptoms there are symptoms of our fears. And, 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 it, and, you know, should we have fear? We should have a very adequate respect <laughs> for certain things. You know, um, playing on the railroad track, playing in the middle of the road, you know, going down the interstate at 110 miles an hour. I mean, you know, there's, there's legitimate reasons we don't, you know, there are things in place we need, you know, we have no fear, we have no boundaries. That's a lie. We have boundaries and we have expectations and we have, we have to prepare ourselves for what we're going to do, how we're going to go forward. So fear of failure, the door of opportunity is always closed. If you do not try, you cannot fail. That's a lie. You see, you've already failed because we don't try. Now, what have we learned? And you see, none of us, we're not perfect. And Paul, 
Paul is telling the um, Corinthians that he wants to come to them, but I can't come to you until, you know, I finish what's here because there's a big door of opportunity, a huge door of opportunity, but there's a mushrooming opposition. <laughs> now, uh, I went from there to um, Ephesians 6. You see, when you step out in faith and the opposition comes, just keep standing strong and doing what you know to do. Being able to do what you know to do is, in Ephesians chapter 6, Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand, stand therefore having. This is, this is stand therefore, sta stand and stand therefore having. Now, it talks about in, in the having, excuse me, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day. What is the evil day? Is it mushrooming opposition? <laughs> when people oppose what you know to be right, that's, that's kind of like the evil day. You see, when you know that God is saying, we need to do, you know, you need to love, you need to forgive, you need to help, just do that random act of kindness. And then the thoughts come, well, what will they think of me? <laughs> what, what, what am I giving my, no. Just do something good for someone. You don't have to give them a million bucks. You know, put a, give them a dollar. You know, buy candy for kids that aren't allowed to have candy. You know, things like that. <laughs> Just kidding on that one. But, uh, <laughs> so anyhow. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth. So you stand in truth. What is the truth of the matter? You stand in, with your breastplate of righteousness. Is that I have, there is a right, right, righteousness. I have a rightness with God. I am forgiven. I am his child. I stand in knowing that I am right with God. So when we start to doubt God, doubt ourselves, Stop. We stand in a rightness with God. We stand in peace. Stand in peace. That there's no, I'm not anxious about this moment. I'm not worried about doing something good. Somebody doesn't want it, that's fine. If you give a cup of cold water in his name, God's name, there's a reward for you. If they throw the cold water on the street, that's their problem. Me not giving it, that's my problem. And you see, once people have a gift and they throw it away, that's, that's no longer, once it's theirs, it's theirs. I often did whenever I was counseling, I would put a cup of water there and I'd say, okay, here's all of my thoughts and here's the things we're talking about. Uh, pick it up. Well, it's not my cup. Well, pick it up. It's, you know, I, I had a separate cup for them. It wasn't, you know. And I put it there, and they would pick it up. I says, now it belongs to you. What you do with it is yours. You own it. These are ideas. I've supplied the cup. I, I got the water for you, but you picked it up. Once you pick it up, it's yours. You can't blame me for what you do with what's in your hands. And God is saying the same thing to us. He has given to us a huge opportunity a huge opportunity. What is that opportunity? It's an opportunity to live. It's an opportunity to be strong. 
You know, <laughs> we prepare for the worst, but we live expecting the best. You know, the world may come to an end. Oh, but you know what? We're going to heaven. <laughs> you know, this world's going to disappear. It's going to melt like fire and, you know, burn up with fire and melt away like paper burning up. Okay? God's going to create a new heaven and a new earth. What are we worried about? Well, what about the government? What about the political parties? How are they going to mess things up? God has a plan. God has a purpose. We do not stand in worry. We stand in peace. God has a huge opportunity before us. We have an answer. <laughs> Jesus forgives us of our sin. He lives within our hearts and our lives, and we don't have to fear anything. We have to be aware. We have to know what's going on. Wise <laughs> as serpents, harmless as doves. That we are in a world that doesn't understand, doesn't like God, doesn't like godly principles. That doesn't matter. We love God. God loves us. We love godly principles, and they have a way of <laughs> filtering into the world around us. Because you're there. That's the huge opportunity we have. We have a huge opportunity to be blessed. We have... We are to keep praying, we are to keep believing, we are to keep reading, we're to keep speaking the word. We're to keep fighting the good fight of faith. And I like this part. And going to church. <laughs> I, I read that and I thought, oh, I'm putting that in there. Highlighted it even. I got it all highlighted, you know, right here. Keep fighting the good fight of faith and going to church. So, the door of opportunity may have a sign on it. You can't go in. You know, whenever I was writing this, <laughs> and I, that, this is, this one, you know, I write, read and write and ring, write. When I read this, you, there's a sign on it, and I thought, you can't go in. That just got me so angry. <laughs> Who is going to tell me what I can't do? And I, I was thinking of this, of this not just in the physical realm, I was thinking about in the spiritual realm that what God says that he wants for your life, how many times do we see and feel and think, well, that's for somebody else. God did that for those people, but it, won't, it doesn't apply to you and your situation. You see, that's the sign that says you can't go in. You think, God didn't put that sign up there. Where does God ever say you can't? All things are possible to him who believes. Now, God may redirect what you think you have to have. God may redirect it. He may take it in a different direction. But you have to go through that door in order to turn right. <laughs> the opportunity lies beyond the door, lies beyond this place where you can't go in. Do not enter, David. <laughs> and God says, I didn't put that sign up there, David. What are you going to do about it? So you see, we have to face our fears and face the things that would keep us from opening the door. We keep walking in love and keep walking in forgiveness. We keep your heart tender before the Lord because when the enemy sees that you are more determined than he is, 
Resist the devil and he will flee. When the devil knows, when evil knows that you're not going to quit and you're not going to give up on your faith, you're not going to stop going forward, he goes on to somebody else. Because the greatest, I think one of the greatest tricks of the enemy of our soul is to get us to fear that which we don't need to be afraid of. And he will get us to doubt what God has already been telling us to be assured of. We feel that we're all alone. God says, you're never alone. That I will fail. God says, how can you fail? I'm your, I'm your father. I will give you everything that you need. Yeah, we, we're not good enough. Well, how can we not be good enough? God created us and breathed into us the breath of life, and we are a living soul. We are a child of God. How can we not be good enough? You see, it isn't that I stand in my goodness, I stand in God's goodness. I do not stand in my strength, I stand in God's strength. The more things I go through, the weaker I am. We think just the opposite. But the more surgeries I have on my neck and my back, the weaker I am. But that doesn't mean a thing in the kingdom of God and the spiritual realm because God is my strength, a very present help in time of trouble. So we see that fear comes in to rob us of the promises that God has placed within our heart. So it's who I am. (laughs) God is my father. He's a good, good father. He, before the world was ever created, he knew you and I. While we were yet in our mother's womb, he formed us. He put everything in there that we needed. And here we are coming into life, living out life. And what is God doing? Pulling out what he has already put in store to help us live and face life with his blessing, with his love, with his goodness, with his grace, with his mercy. I then, God is pulling and bringing, and here I am. I have a good, good father. That's who I am, and I'm loved by him. And I have huge opportunities and a mushrooming opposition, (laughs) but that's okay because God is greater than any opposition. Amen? One last thing. It says um, that we are to stay focused. Stay focused, and as you do, you will overcome. And my last scripture was in Revelation 3.20, Jesus says, Look at me, I stand at the door, and I knock. (laughs) Jesus is the one knocking at the door that's giving us the attention, that draws our attention to the door of opportunity. He's the one knocking (laughs) and bringing our attention to the door. And if God is knocking at the door, he wants us to open it. And we have a sense in here. That's God leading me there. And my one thought was, whenever we are, when God leads us, how does he nudge us? With a hammer or with a feather? (laughs) Is it with an impulse or a thought? But he leads us by his spirit. Sometimes it's a kick in the pants and sometimes it's, come here, David. (laughs) Let's stand. I couldn't finish. I couldn't. I couldn't leave those without. That was a very good point there. I thought, 
Yeah, it's a feeling. Uh, if you hear me call and open the door, I will come right in and sit down with you and sup with you. I have fellowship and friendship with you. The huge opportunity for God to come and sit with us as we go through the doors of opportunity. Jesus, we thank you. Thank you that you knock on many doors. You knock on our heart's door. We open up and we receive you. We confess our sin. We confess our faults, our failures. God, you know what they are. Lord, help us to see them, to know them, let them go, to receive of your grace and your mercy, to be the person you created us to be. And Lord, we know that these opportunities that lie before us, God, you will draw us to the door. You will knock at the door and we will hear your voice and we will open and go through. No matter what the opposition, we know that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone says, Amen. <laughs> so go knock at a door. <laughs>